0: Good morning, you amazing people! Uh, I'm, I'm excited for today today is challenging, but it's going to be good for us. Uh, if you are taking notes, then on page 13 of your purpose book, you can take notes and if you haven't got a, a book, we got some sent to us some extra ones, so if you haven't got a book it's not too late you can get you can go through the devotion it will be a good thing to, to get. So over the past few weeks, we have spoken about different areas that we find our purpose. We spoke about Christ. Jesus Christ is the starting place of discovering our purpose. When we walk away from Jesus, we walk away from purpose. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, especially in the world that we live in. Then we find our purpose in Christ-likeness. We, we want to live lives to become like Jesus Christ so that when people see us, we're ambassadors of who God is to us. And Charlotte spoke about um, community last week over there, uh, and there's certain things that we learn about each other and about God just because we're exposed to different groups of people. So there's certain things that some people will draw out of me that are going to be appreciated by some people and other people get to benefit from that. So we do best in community. It's how God created us to be. And today we're going to be talking about the common good. And it's, a, like I said, it's quite a challenge. When we talk about the common good, it's not specifically a a phrase found in Scripture, but it's a way of living out the gospel that's found throughout Scripture. And we're going to be challenged today to step out of our comfort zone, so to speak, so that we can be an expression of who God is to the rest of the world. It's when we, as believers, live our lives for the benefit of those people inside as well as outside of the church. We are an expression of the gospel. So the thinking is not this. And I think that this has become our kind of consumer approach to everything in life but this is the thinking is not what's in it for me but what's in it from me so imagine we as a church arrive at church and don't think oh you know I'm gonna arrive at the church what's in it for me but what's in it from me what can I bring to this place to this world to this community that makes it better what's in it for me let me tell you what's in it for me for you salvation forgiveness a relationship with God, eternal life, grace, purpose, and so much more. What we get from being in a relationship with Jesus is massive. It's absolutely massive. There's so much benefit. It's amazing to be in a relationship with God. What God has done for us, what God is currently doing in us and through us that we don't even know, and what God is still going to do, is huge. No, I has seen, he has heard what God has in store for those who love him. If you are a believer in this room, you have an incredible future to look forward to. Um, Then, think about this. Heaven is our home. God is our Father. What we are saved out of is worth an eternity of gratitude. What you are saved out of is worth an eternity of gratitude. What you are saved into is worth an eternity of gratitude. We are so incredibly blessed to be Christians. It's not something we should take for granted. It's something that we should live out enthusiastically because we are saved out of hell into heaven. It's eternal. It's powerful. It's significant. God Almighty is my father. God Almighty is your father. Yet finding purpose moves us from beyond what's in it for me to what's in it from me. Not to earn salvation. So it's not like I need to do all these things now because I need to maintain or earn my salvation. That's been paid for on the cross. And we accepted it through communion this morning. If you took the blood, the body broken for you, you recognize that you are saved. And now you say, Jesus, like Brent said, just incredibly well led this morning. He preached what I'm preaching. Our lives are an outpouring and offering to Jesus Christ. Not an add-on, I'll add Jesus. It's an outpouring of everything I have for God. So we don't... It's not to earn salvation, rather an expression and a response to it. I'm saved, therefore I'm going to live out my salvation. What's in it from me? This is when we allow God to use us to be a blessing to the people that are around us. Um, The more the gospel transforms us, the more of a benefit we become to others. Are you beneficial to the people around you and your community? Because, Because of what God's given you, you have the potential to be hugely influential in a way that you might not even know the more the gospel transforms us the more we benefit and when we give our lives to Jesus we gain so much where the robbery happens and this is the challenge is when we gain so much but don't give so much you have gained more than eternity can express in a hundred trillion billion years our revelation of God will continue to expand and we will be eternally grateful. We cannot express that. The problem, the robbery happens is when you gain all of this revelation and understanding and eternal life, and you don't share it forward. Like we mentioned in our sermon on generosity, when the water flows into the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because there's no outlet. And we want what God has done in us to work through us. Part of the reason that we come to church is it, by the way, it's a biblical mandate. You're not here because of some religious duty. It's a biblical encouragement. It's a mandate. And the reason that we come here is to be equipped. Soldiers coming here to have their armor fixed, their weapons, you know, sharpened, so that we can go out there and show people our beautiful armor. No, no, so we can go out and win. Forcefully advance the kingdom. You are people of authority. You are people of anointing. You are not just here to look the part. We are here to be the part, right? So, we come to church. And when we come to church, we are strengthened and we are encouraged and we are prepared to take what we've received beyond ourselves. Otherwise, we just sit here and receive. It's not church and Christianity is not just Christians telling other Christians how to be better Christians. It's to equip us to go out. Ah, Nice to see you. I remember years ago, Andy Stanley coined this phrase and he says that he doesn't we shouldn't be salt cellar Christians. Salt is great, you know, it draws out flavour, it disinfects, it preserves, but it's only effective when it's poured out. So we don't want to be like salt cellar Christians, we all clump together in our little huddle and we enjoy being Christians and we enjoy the feeling that we get for for me, and then we don't take what God's given us and spread it. We gain, I mean we gather, we gain, we give and we grow. We gather, we gain we give and we grow. Are you growing? Do you feel like your spiritual life is maturing and growing? And I can tell you, if you want to grow in your faith, give it away. Share it. Be bold. Express it. Live out what God has done through you. Because if we live a life in a space that's what's in it for me, if we have that mindset, then we get stuck in a cycle of ineffective repetition. You just go through the motions and you're going through life and you wonder why there's no power and there's no anointing and there's no effectiveness. And God's saying you will see that when you give away what I've given you. And, and Brent said it this morning. Brent said most of the things that I kind of want to emphasize. You might think I don't have anything to offer. But God will take what little you have to offer and he will use you powerfully. Mark and Ange, there is an incredible anointing on the two of you. Your, 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 your sphere of influence is, is, and I feel in stirred in my heart to tell you this. God has given you the ability of speaking to speak into people's lives. And like we sh- shared in the prayer meeting, you don't realize how you're impacting others, but know that God is using you in a powerful way. Um, off the topic. We don't all need to be working for the church. We need to be the church at work, right? We, City Hill, are being commissioned today. We are going to go out with anointing and authority, and we're going to be an expression of the common good so that people can see Jesus. Before we get into the primary text for this morning, and it's not going to be that long, um, I want to just lay a couple foundations. And guys, I hope you're staying with me. I know it's muggy and hot, but stay with me. Foundation one, if you're taking notes, this is the first thing you're going to write down. God has placed you where you are on purpose. Um, Donnie came in this morning, and he's just so fired up by the series, and I, I just love his, his constant heart to grow and learn, um, great humility, and, and he prayed it this morning. He said, you are where you are on purpose. God has placed you in your space on purpose. Brent Brading, a friend of mine who leads a church in Richards Bay, he was talking about leadership, and he, he used this phrase, which I'm going to use in a different way today. He said, instead of having a to-do list, we need to have a to-who list. So instead of a to-do list, we have a to-do list. He said, um, so so to apply this to us living out the common good, which is today's subject, uh, when we look at our faith as a to-do list, it becomes a work-based performance. And of course, there is stuff that we need to do. It was shared this morning. It's not just talk, 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 and no action. There is action that needs to take place. Yet in addition, when it comes to our faith, imagine having a to-who list. I've received the gospel. Now, Lord... Show me who. All of you have who's all around you. And God has placed you there on purpose, with purpose, to affect the who. Not the to-do list, I will go through my Christian life. It's to who. Somebody in your space needs to hear what you've been given. I'm completely preaching Brent's preach for next week and the common good. (laughs) It's good. Um, So, I've received the gospel, now Lord who? Who? Who, where I work, where I live, where I visit, the sports club I go to, the things that I do, the social space. Who needs to receive what I have to give? Because the more I give it away, the more I will grow. I'm passionate about the gospel. I am passionate about the gospel. Because God has saved me out of purposelessness. He carries me through incredibly difficult times. He's with me when it's dark. He gives me reason to live and celebrate. He is the reason that I live. I love Jesus, and I honestly, I don't know how people can go through life without a relationship with Jesus, without becoming an absolute destruction to themselves and the community around them. If I didn't know Jesus, I just, I just don't know how people go through life. And we know Jesus, and we can see people that need Jesus, and all we have to do is introduce them, Right? And living a life for the common good does not come from what we know. It comes from who we know. And then the who inspires us to do the what. If you love Jesus, your life changes. You cannot help but live for Jesus. Knowledge puffs up. Oh, you know, I can quote scripture all day and I can win arguments. And I remember at Bible college I was challenged. Tim, you're winning arguments but not souls. Theology puffs up. But what's the point if it stays in us? The common good is to take what I've been given beyond myself. And it's not just my testimony, it's actions. Um, So, we do what we do not because God insists, but because relationship inspires. Are you with me? Like, I feel like this is just all for me. The vertical beam needs to be in place so that the horizontal beam can be effective. Is that right? Get that right. And that will become powerful and effective. Um, Not one of the disciples, just that you know, had a degree. All they had was a relationship with Jesus and a testimony. And they took that and they lived out an expression of the common good, serving the community and loving people, and God radically changed the world. Imagine what he can do with so many of us. God will use this church to change the world. Because he's building his church, and he's at work, even when we can't see it. And we sang this morning, even when I can't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Some of you need to be reminded this morning, God's doing something in your life that you might not know. God's speaking to and through other people, I mean through you to other people, in a way you don't realize. Don't be downcast. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Lift your eyes. God has put you where you are on purpose. Um, so you are where you are for a reason and it's to reach people and it happens through the common good our purpose is his people to serve those inside the church and those outside not one or the other it's both and the second foundational principle and I, it's, I hope that you're taking it to heart and it's found in our primary scripture for this morning Luke 10 verse 25 to 28 the parable of the good Samaritan on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus in some versions it talks about the expert in the law as a lawyer Um, So he's a kind of a a, a legal mind. He's an intelligent person here. And he says, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered. Jesus is brilliant the way he answers questions with questions and get people to think. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your, sorry, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. The second foundational principle, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, even if it's just to go back and allow God to speak to you, is to establish a genuine foundation of love. right? This is not something that we write in our notebooks only. This is something that must be written on our hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray now that you will give us all your love for people. Do something radical in our hearts that we will love like you love. And see, like you see, God doesn't just love us. He is love. He is the source of love. So when we go to God, he fills us with his love, and then our love for him and his love for us overflows and impacts the people around us. Love for me overflows to love from me. Lorraine, where is Lorraine? Are Mike and Lorraine here? There we go. Mike's here. Lorraine shared a scripture at prayer meeting, which I believe the church needs to hear. Matthew 24 talks about the end times. And a lot of talk, end time talk. And if Jesus came back tomorrow, it would be wonderful. If he came back today, it would be wonderful too. Um, so in Matthew 24, it talks about the end times, what it will look like. Wars, famines, earthquakes, deception, false prophets, sin. It's going to abound, right? And in the middle of all that chaos, this word applies. Listen to this, Matthew 24. Because of the increase of wickedness, We are in that space, whatever your end-time theology is. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And what struck me when when Lorraine was sharing this is that it says in that scripture, the love of many will grow cold. How many of us live Loveless lives of frustration, wishing that we worked with more godly people or we weren't where we are right now. And I really believe that by the Holy Spirit that He's going to challenge you this morning, take hard hearts and make them soft again. Um, So foundation one, God has placed you where you are on purpose. Foundation number two, we need to have a genuine expression of the love of God. Otherwise, all we're going to do is allow our hearts to grow cold. So we don't take our cup to the river like coming here on a Sunday and we say, Lord, I take my cup and I drink, and may I be satisfied. And we take our bucket and we take as much as we can and we pour it out to everyone around us. So that's exciting for me. I'm glad I'm enjoying that. Okay, so in preparing this, I had to check my heart. On Monday, I was at the school to fetch my son. And a a guy came up to the window to sell avos. And my window was closed, and he knocked on the window... And I just said, no, 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 no. And then he says, no, 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 I don't want to, I just want to talk to you. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't I don't want to talk to you. I didn't even open my window, right? And then I got to prayer meeting and Lorraine rips my heart out of my chest and says, how many of you have allowed your love to grow cold? I couldn't have bought avos from the guy. I didn't have any money, but kindness would have cost me nothing. The common good... Common decency. Just give the person some dignity. And I was hit hard. Because I'm not standing here, as you all know, as someone who ah, I demonstrate perfectly. I'm someone who's like, Jesus, please, may my heart not grow cold. And lots has happened. And over the last few years, we have had the potential through all that's happened for our hearts to grow cold. For us to become cynical and angry and bitter and go, we wanted to help, but now no. Right, And we prayed for all of us. So all of you benefited from our prayer meeting on Tuesday. And that we prayed for compassion, obedience, and wisdom. Right? Remember, love, love comes from the who, not the what. There are times that we need to do something. How's this? Scripture even teaches that sometimes we will be in the company of angels and not even know it. <laughs> and I read that on Tuesday. And I was like, oh, I hope angels don't sell avos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there. Go away. Hmm. Thanks, Lorraine. I hope she's going to listen online. So the, the experts in the law, these intelligence minds, they try and trap Jesus. And you know, and he, he says, love God with all your heart, your, your, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now we go into our primary text. Luke 10, verse 29 to 37. The parable of the good Samaritan but he wanted to justify himself. How many of us do that? We just, the reason I didn't open the window, justify, justify, justify. We've got a list of excuses, um, all of us. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who and who is my neighbor? So what he's trying to do is he's trying to narrow the playing field to just You know, like, who is my neighbor? Hopefully, when you answer the question, you're going to narrow it down. So it's just the people that actually suit me because it's convenient. So the Greek definition of how he approached this question is this. Um, Who is my neighbor is, in Greek, is someone who is near. In Hebrew, it's someone that you have an association with. So his interpretation narrows it down to just the Jewish people because in that culture, a Jewish person would never have a Roman or a Samaritan or a stranger as a neighbor. You lived in your pocket, you lived in your community, and you helped your community. And anyone outside was not considered a neighbor. So he challenges Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and then he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. He's half dead, half alive. Verse 31, a priest, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He's a religious leader. He's a priest. He saw the man, and then he thought, let me just walk on the other side of the road. And he goes on the other side, and he carries on walking. Can anybody relate? Obviously not us. So, the Levites. The next guy comes along. And when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. A a, a priest and a leader, these are highly respected people. These are the religiously informed people. They see this person and they go, ah, other side, right? I don't have the time. It's too dangerous. I don't have the energy. I don't want to. Nothing any of us could relate to. And then comes along the Samaritan, and according to Jesus, I mean, according to the Jews of the days, um, certainly not Jesus, the the Samaritans were like lower class. These were Jewish people that had intermarried with non-Jewish people, and therefore they were considered to be a disgrace, and therefore you didn't hang out with them, they were not cool to hang out with. And even remember Jesus, when he went to the well, and he asks the Samaritan water for water, and she's like blown away, and she's like, but Jews don't associate with Samaritans. We're just not at that level right? And then Jesus knows this guy has this superior mindset. I'm better than the other people. And he speaks straight into that context and he compares him to the Samaritan. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, sorry, verse 33, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wound, pouring oil and wine. I was like, Oil and wine, apparently oil um, disinfects and has, so- and, I mean, wine disinfects and oil has soothing qualities. Or, <laughs> he had absolutely no idea. Yeah, I have some wine, I have some oil. Imagine going to the doctor <laughs> and he's like, you're very sick, you need uh, wine and oil. I'll have the Greek salad and the cabignol, sauvignon, whatever wine is called. Uh, then he put the man on his own donkey, to so his donkey, not someone else's donkey, brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is a day's wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. This means that it cost him time, money, effort, supplies, with no guarantee that he would get a thank you in response. Jesus draws a strong contrast between those that knew the law and those that followed the law. We can all sit here... And I can do a survey on what the right thing to do is. But what the, doing the right thing and knowing the right thing are very different. We want to be people that live out the common good and expression of who Jesus... In other words, this man went beyond common decency and he went the extra mile. Right? Um, verse, this is a challenging word. It's a challenging word to me. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think uh, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the man, because he has such a low view of Samaritan, he won't even use the word Samaritan. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, not like the one, he doesn't even say the Samaritan, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told go and do likewise. At this point of my preach, it's easy for us to go, we know this, just like they did, and go on to the other side of the road. Love your neighbor yet fall into the same trap of turning a blind eye. And I understand we can't help everyone. I understand that drug addiction, especially in our community, is a massive issue. I understand we need to have boundaries. That's why God led us to pray on Tuesday night that we will have compassion, obedience, and wisdom so we know who to help and when to help them because we can't help everybody all the time. But we we need to make sure that our hearts have not grown cold to help somebody at some time. Today, we are being challenged to look at our own hearts and say, Lord, am I compassionate? Or am I, like Tim, (laughs) I've got to work on my heart. To live for the common good is to trust God, to give us the grace to go beyond common decency and to overcome a massive hurdle called, even if. Even if they aren't the same color, even if they can't pay me back, even if they don't believe what I believe, even if it's inconvenient, even if it costs me something, even if, and you've all got your own even ifs. I have plenty of even ifs. I would normally help you, but. And as I've shared before, Tyrant Daniel has nearly, actually I think every single miracle of Jesus happened through interruption. So we going along on that side of the road, and that person is in need, and we go, that's inconvenient for me right now. I don't need that because I'm on my journey, and God's saying, actually, you, my vessel, I'm using you to expand my kingdom. You are an expression of the common good to that person. So therefore, that interruption is a kairos moment, a God thing. And we go, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the money, go away. And then God convicts you. And like I said, we can't say yes to everyone and everything. We can't rid the world of poverty, but we can say, Lord Jesus, please use us. And I've shared this before, we ask God to use us and when he does, we feel used. Ah, people are just taking advantage of me. Even if it's inconvenient, dangerous, costly, Lord, please use me. I've got very short points because I know it's very warm. If you're writing notes, these are the points I want to bring from this parable. To love your neighbor means to love everyone which includes your actual neighbor. <laughs> and I actually have my actual neighbor here, so I, 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 I'm in good company. John 13, verse 34 to 35 says, A new commandment, listen to this. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How has Jesus loved you? You answer that in your own. How has Jesus loved you? And he's saying, how he loved you, go love someone else. By this the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Uh, how do you know that person is a follower of Jesus? Well, because they go to church and because they quote scripture and they tell me not to listen to m M&M and not to swear and not to drink too much, or because they loved me in a way that's impossible unless they knew God. Do people know that we who we are because we are an expression of love, or because they know that our lifetime routine includes church? You know, I am a long way off. My heart is, is a work in progress. I'm, I'm with all of us on the same boat here. I want to get to a place where he goes, Tim, can I have a lift? I go, I can't. <laughs> I've got too many avos <laughs> in the back of my car. <laughs> I know that God doesn't want to condemn anyone, but imagine the scales tip from excuses to opportunities. Number two, our actions speak volumes, not our titles. Even though my title... As many of you know, as Grand Master, Humble, Apostle, Pastor, uh, the Magnificent. (laughs) Did I mention Humble? Um, Now let me ask the guy selling avos what he thinks about my title. Let's ask God to use us, even if it's to express the common good just once. Becoming a Christian, step one. Becoming like Jesus, step two. The common good is to say, Lord, You've done so much for me. Help me to be an expression of that goodness to the rest of the world. Number three, problems lead to opportunities. We live in a broken country full of poverty, crime, corruption. We all want a streamlined, smooth-running system. Yet you name a country where the gospel is more visible and alive than it is in South Africa. They might have Wi-Fi in every suburb. We have a church. We have plenty. We have problems, yet in those problems are gospel opportunities. The opportunity to live out the common good so that people will see Jesus. This country is good for the gospel. The gospel is good for every country. But we are in such a good place to be an expression of the common good. We have opportunity everywhere to express and share something that reflects Jesus. You are his hands and his feet. You are ambassadors of the King of Kings. And this country is a good country to be in. Um, And if you do happen to be going, which I know I heard this morning, some people are going to other countries, maybe because you're responding to the call of God. And that is the case. Uh, Verse 4. I mean, verse 4, sorry, point number 4. To help a person in need is to help Jesus. I'm just going to read a scripture and I'm not going to elaborate. Matthew 25, verse 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on my right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You have an inheritance created for you since before the world was created. God has an inheritance for you. That's massive. You've got something to look forward to. And then he says this, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I need clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply. The king with a capital K will reply. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What you do for somebody else is an expression of Jesus to them. Number five, his honor is our reward. Some people will never get the chance to say thank you to, to you for what you've done. Yet the, the, the common good is to express the gospel in response to my relationship with Jesus. It's not PR. It's not so the church can look good. Right? Two very short stories. I was driving on the freeway. Um, I don't know how long ago it was, but anyway, I was driving. I went just before the old airport. I go around the corner and there's a pedestrian that's been hit by a car and he's lying around the corner. It's a difficult place to see. He's lying on the freeway in the fast lane. So I stopped the car, it's dangerous. It's nighttime, it's a bit rainy. The guy that's hit the pedestrian is standing angry, leaning against his car because someone ran in the road. I went up to the guy that was lying on the floor and he was just trying to get up and I said, Don't get up. We prayed. And I prayed. He was holding on. He was holding me. And I held him and we prayed. And I remember just said, Jesus, yeah, Jesus is with you. And he was saying, Thank you, thank you. And it was ambulance arrived. I left. And then I read, he died later that night. I, I shared the gospel with him that night. Another guy, as you know, I went to see. He was sick in hospital. We went to see him. We prayed for him in his hospital bed. He died that night. And you probably thinking, if I get sick, I'm not phoning Tim. <laughs> Colin, you will say that. The point is this. They didn't speak the same language. They didn't know me. They couldn't thank me, but they could have eternal life. I gave them nothing but kindness and what God has given me. I understand that we can't just give money and stuff to everyone. We can't help everyone, but God help us help someone. Let our hearts not grow cold. We can't help everyone. But may this church be effective and an expression of the common good. You were the hands and feet of Jesus. You were the heart of Jesus. Maybe that guy with the Evers. maybe he'll come back. <laughs> I might not buy Evers, but I want to give him the time of day deserves. We live in a country where it's easy for our hearts to grow cold, but also a great opportunity for the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we will be an expression of the common good. Lord, we gave you our lives As believers in this room, Lord, we say, my life is yours to use as you will. If you call me, Lord, not to cross the road and to help somebody that needs it, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll do so. I pray, Lord, that we will help people even if they can't say thank you, even if they don't pass back, even if they don't appreciate it. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be an expression of the gospel because we are believers in God Almighty. We go beyond the common Uh, decency and we express the common good. Please, Lord, soften our hearts. May we not become bitter, cynical, angry, critical of those people, Lord Jesus, that desperately need something and it could be wealthy, it could be poor. Help us to have wisdom, compassion and obedience, Lord Jesus, to see what you see and to know what to say at the right time, when to give and when not to. Help us to have incredibly godly boundaries but be open to what you want to do through our lives. And in those interruptions, Lord, when things don't go the way we want them to, I thank you for kairos moments where you do something that has an eternal consequence. We say yes to Jesus. Use us, Lord, for the common good, we pray. Help us find purpose in that space. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.